Well, what a special occasion this is. Haven't many of us been longing for this day? And for those of you that don't know me, as Jan said, my name's Ben, and my wife, Ali, and I have been members here at Citygate for the last 10 years, and we have four wonderful children. I have the real privilege of sharing God's word with us this morning. Doesn't coming together in this way just remind us all of how special it is to be a part of God's larger family? And for those of us tuning in online, I just want you to be encouraged that you too are part of this family, and we can all, wherever we're at, hear God's word this morning. The last few teaching series that we've done from this place, uh, looking after our hearts and uh, most recently what it means to be in part of God's community, have been so helpful, haven't they? So timely and encouraging and challenging. And so today, with this new season, we start a six-week-long series looking intently together at some of the parables of Jesus. What are parables? Well, the word parable comes from the weak, not the weak, the Greek word parabol, and it's composed of two words. Firstly, para, which means beside, that's where we get the, the, the word parallelogram, and balo, which means to throw or to cast. And so it literally means to cast beside, or the placing of one thing by the side of another. And it's a teaching aid which, which presents a simple earthly story next to a profound spiritual truth. So why did Jesus use parables? We know he loved to use parables when teaching to the crowd. Well, firstly, Jesus wanted his teachings to be heard. And this was a way to make what was, he was saying both memorable and accessible. And secondly, it was to actually fulfill prophecy. In Matthew 13, it says this, that Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And another reason is to actually both reveal truth to those who are spiritually responsive and to conceal truth to those who were superficial and unresponsive. To make truth about God's kingdom plain to his disciples, whilst actually keeping truths hidden from those who had no intention of hearing. So why are we as a church looking at parables? Well, simply, it's a good thing to do, isn't it? Jesus used them to reveal truth. And don't we gather here today to be with one another, but also to worship God, who is the truth. We come to receive here and embrace the truth about who he is and what he is saying. And he said some things this morning, hasn't he, which are true of us and true of him. So today we look at a very well-known parable called the parable of the sower. We'll be reading from Luke's account in Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 15. If you have your Bibles, please turn there now, and it'll be up on the screen in just a second. Just to say at the outset, this parable is recorded in three of the gospel accounts. And it's one of the few that we know of that Jesus himself interprets. And it's of this parable that he said this. If you don't understand this, how will you understand the others? And so it seems key, doesn't it, that understanding this will help us understand the others. In fact, as we will see, the truths of this parable are being played out right now. So to understand it is of great importance. Let's read. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 8, verses 4 to 8. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. 
A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. Let's just stop there a second. We see from the other Gospels that this was a very large crowd and Jesus had actually gotten into a boat by the Sea of Galilee and so he's a step back from the crowd. I want us to take note that Jesus wants everyone to hear. And wherever you are this morning, he wants you to hear his words. I want you just to imagine yourself in this crowd for a second. You've heard of this man, Jesus of Nazareth, and you've followed him along. You've perhaps seen or heard of signs and wonders that he's performed and have been amazed at the authority with which he speaks. And you hear this simple story, not very thrilling or profound. You're perhaps waiting for the climax or someone to be picked up from the crowd. What would your reaction be as he comes to the end of this very simple story? Would your mind be wandering? Would you as a Jewish farmer be kind of reflecting on your farming techniques? Would your mind be going elsewhere? Would these words seem like that of any other man, just a good teacher? We read on, and at the end of verse 8, we see this striking comment from Jesus. When he said these things, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. We get the sense that this was a different tone, a calling out, and neither during or at the end of the parable. What is Jesus trying to do here, and why? Why why does Jesus, the greatest teacher who has ever and will ever live, feel the need to elicit the attention of his hearers? He uses this phrase many times during his parables. Jesus here is calling on the crowd to not just hear audible sounds with the eardrum. No, he's really wanting us and the crowd to realize the truth being laid beside the parable. You see, God is not a God of confusion. He cares very much about you and me understanding the truth, if we would have ears to listen. And we see this as we continue on. And at this point, the crowd are no longer in the scene. Jesus is with his disciples, and they ask him what this parable meant. Notice, they knew that there was more to it than just this agricultural lesson. And so they ask him, and the Son of God grants their request. Let's listen in to what he's about to say. Verse 9. His disciples ask him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not... What would you expect him to say there? Hearing they may not hear? That's not what he says. He says hearing they may not understand... This is a reference to Isaiah 6, the context being that God was describing his judgment on the nation of Israel. They wouldn't hear him, and so they couldn't hear him. He was speaking of those who believed in their own ideas with a closed mind. It is quite perplexing, isn't it, that Jesus says the reason he speaks in parables is to actually hide truth to those who haven't received this gift And here we see plainly, don't we, this dual effect of parables to both reveal and conceal truth to those that hear. On the one hand, it was actually a form of judgment on those who heard but didn't receive. 
And we see this throughout scripture, don't we? God handing people over to their desires. But on the other hand, this is a wonderful demonstration of God's grace. Our God is a God of grace. He doesn't force his message on anyone. He actually wants a relationship with each and every one of us, wherever you are. And so to us, if you're a follower of Jesus here today, we too can have this very same gift and we can say to us has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. God himself, the great giver and initiator, as we'll see in just a moment, we don't work it out. It's not for a special class. It's not by trying harder, but all by his grace. God is a God of grace. And may we, by grace, hear God's word for us this morning. May be perhaps for the first time or afresh, we, I pray our hearts will be jolted by the words of Jesus. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. How we hear the word of God is crucial. To be followers of God is to be close enough to want to ask for clarity, not to stand at a distance, but to be tuned in to his broadcast. Hasn't the whole online broadcast from this place been so excellent? I just want to applaud the the production team over the, the, the labor that they've done over the last 18 months. It's just been absolutely wonderful. But if I'm honest, I found it really hard to engage in the active hearing of God's word from a distance. Now, with four children, seven and under, we would tune in on a Sunday morning, get get everything set up. Practically, Ali and I would just look at each other. This is not working. We can't hear the message. And so the next best thing would be for when the children were in bed, and then we, we set up in the evening. But even then, you look at a screen, and your mind wanders, doesn't it? It does for me. It wanders so hard. I wonder when, whether for some of us it's been hard, a real struggle to stay tuned in at a distance. I believe today God would just want to remind each and every one of us that when we listen to God's word at a distance with a curiosity, we can listen amiss. And we can't really understand what God is saying to us. And, it, and the seed of God's word doesn't go to work in our hearts. So let us tune in now. And let's read verse 11. Jesus is about to say what the meaning of this parable is. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are those who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. We're going to take a deeper look at the four soils in just a moment, but I want to say something. Notice what stays the same and is constant throughout. It's the same farmer, the same sower. He's not the issue here, but he's not irrelevant. He's crucial, in fact, isn't he? A a farm can't harvest itself. The other thing is that it's the same seed. Each one gets the same seed with the same potential. Each 
the, the seed has inherent power in itself. It contains all the DNA required to do that which it was designed to do. And notice the sower, how he scatters. If you're like me, I'm left wondering, why does he scatter in areas unfit for growing? It seems a bit wasteful, doesn't it? It seems a bit haphazard. I think this can just be a gentle reminder, as it would have been to the disciples, that when we are given the opportunity to share God's word, we need not second guess or try and pick and choose who we think is appropriate. No, we share freely to all, don't we? That's God's grace. Let all hear Don't we know that in the natural, seeds can lie dormant for years, but spring into life when the right conditions are met? And it's these conditions that vary in this passage. Jesus is saying that these various responses to to those that hear the word, the point of the parable, as we're going to see, is that the conditions of the soil, the conditions of our hearts, determines the productivity of the seed. So then, let's look at these various responses. Firstly, the path, the hard soil. These are byways through the field, not like pavements today. And these are hard and compacted. And so the seed, God's word, is never able to penetrate. The seed is designed to take root, but it can't. The heart is hardened. How? By the frequent trampling, heavy traffic from the world. Maybe you can relate to this, being trampled on and heavily impacted by the things of this world. Jesus says the birds hover awake to take this seed. Perhaps even now, they are waiting for easy pickings. I want to just echo the words of the writer of Hebrews. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts. Bernie's word about breakthrough, I pray our hearts will be broken through to receive God's word. Don't let this seed be lost to the birds. Secondly, the rocky ground. Matthew and Mark accounts suggest that these aren't just a few rocks scattered amongst the soil, but the the new growth withers because there was no depth of soil and so no proper root structure. In Israel, the field plains would often have a, a a layer of limestone under a thin layer of soil. And so these are those who receive the word of God with joy. We've mentioned that this morning, haven't we? Joy. That's what the word does. Mark says that they immediately spring up. This seems like a right response, doesn't it? We can relate to this, can't we? Writing their passage down, singing praises to God, saying amen, joining a group. But after a short while, when the sun rises, and it will, it scorches that initial tender growth. The initial response is proven to have no real root What started out as a joyful response turns out to perhaps be something impulsive without fully grasping and embracing the seed for what it is and letting it go to work. What is it that you and I need most when trials come? We need moisture. We need a life source. We need God's never-changing, never-failing word to go deep in our hearts. Experienced farmers know that the crop that comes up first is actually disastrous they know that this is a warning sign that the root hasn't gone deep and so it's not going to produce a good crop. And I think this can be a warning sign. I think we've got to be so careful, haven't we, how we paint the picture of following Christ as to what that looks like, to not just evoke an emotional response. God promises many, many, many things in his word and he is 100% faithful to them all in Christ. But he never promises a life without trials. Perhaps you can relate to this 
Perhaps you've heard the good news and it's changed you and brought you immense joy. But then, what about that new job? I thought that following Jesus would take away the pain from the past. I thought that being a part of this community wouldn't, would, would mean I don't feel quite so lonely anymore. Why did she have to die? No, as we will see, there is life and joy in God's word, the seed, but this relies on a different type of acceptance. Thirdly, the thorny ground. This is the ground where there's no room for the word of God to grow into maturity. Both the cares of this world and the seed of God's word are in competition. And so this is the crowded heart where there's too much going on. And I think to some degree, a lot of us can find ourselves here, can't we? The thorns have a way of out-competing and choking the word. I think that's significant for some of us, that term choking the word. This is the heart that's trying to serve two masters, one foot in one world, one foot trying to follow Christ, and Jesus isn't Lord over every aspect. And life's worries, riches, and pleasures are competing with the only thing that can bring about true life, God's word. Hasn't these last 18 months just been a real test? And haven't some of the cares of this world been clearly on display? I mean, think about it. Preservation of life, financial strain, job security, relationships under strain, anxiety like never before. Things that in and of themselves may be innocent, but the seed, the word of God, isn't able to mature and bring forth fruit how we need the, ha- the hand of the farmer's help in these things. Finally then, the good soil. This is the heart that has been prepared, cultivated and tilled and ready to receive with the right conditions to accept the seed. This is the heart that holds fast to the word of God. This is the heart response who hears the word of God and hears with an active listening If you were to look at the Greek for the phrase, they hear the word, the other three soils have a tense which suggests that they hear it just the once. But for this good soil, it's the present continuous. The sense that they hear it and go on hearing it. How we need that. And notice all the others. Along the path, on the rock, among the thorns. And this, I think the ESV translation gets this more accurate. It's actually into the soil. The good soil allows the seed to go into it. There's an acceptance, an internal embrace, and this is where we see evidence that the the seed has gone to work, that the roots go down and it produces fruit in due season. So apparently it's been the year of the garden revolution. I don't know if you you know about that. Ali and I, we jumped on this bandwagon last year. We, We set up a little vegetable plot in our garden and it did very well. We cheated a bit because we bought these plugs to get the things going. We were a bit late going. And this year, we thought we'd get ahead of the game. We uh, got a, one of those mini greenhouses, and we, we started from seed. We thought that would be more fruitful, a bit cheaper, more, more productive. And we, we set this outside with the seeds for the, the vegetables. But I don't even remember, this spring was unseasonably cold and wet. And so we ended up bringing this thing into our kitchen. Uh, it was a bit shady. And... Ali and I spent most of the day moving this thing around, trying to follow the sun. See, we knew that given the right conditions, the seed would go to work. We trusted in the process. We trusted that there was something going on that we couldn't see. And I want us just to listen to this verse in 1 Thessalonians 2.13. This is Paul speaking. 
And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. When we receive the word with a noble and good heart, we can trust that there's a process going on deep inside with patience and perseverance as we hold fast. Ultimately, the result is a crop, not for the soil, but for the sower. This is the farmer's intention all along, isn't it? Why should we seek to be good soil? Because it's for our good. It's how we're meant to live. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It's for our good, but also for his glory. And a hundredfold crop. I think this would have been the most staggering thing about this parable. Not the fact that some of the seed was wasted, but a hundredfold, a hundred percent yield. See, for a farmer, a crop, a fruit, is what matters, isn't it? That's the end result. And do you know what every farmer is thinking about every day when they wake up? It's the process of the harvest. It's a long-term process. And so when we hear with a good and honest heart, and we accept God's word for what it is, the fruit is actually the inevitable inevitable byproduct as the seed goes to work on the seedbed of faith. Seed, the seed, has the life. It has the power. It does the work. This should be reassuring. Remember we said that the sower isn't the issue, but that he's not irrelevant? You could suggest this isn't the parable of the sower, but of the soils. But the beginning and the end are about the sower. See, Jesus says, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and the end is yielding a crop for him. Both the beginning and end point us to God. How we need him if we are to be good soil. So how should we respond today? I think this calls for honest reflection. I think we can respond by being open with God and acknowledging that this parable is being played out in this very moment and recognizing that my heart is in this parable and saying, God, this concerns me. It's got my name on it. I'm in the field. I'm under the scattering right now. And so how do we respond? Firstly, I want to acknowledge that for many of us, we're walking this out. And and I say, we are the good soil. You know what it means to hear the word of God, for it to go down deep. You've persevered through trials, and it's brought immense joy, and there is fruit for God. I want to say, well done. Be encouraged. Keep going. Maybe ask this question. Lord, how can I be more fruitful for you? It's for my good, and it's for you, God. For others, perhaps some of the other three conditions resonate with where you're at. And we've sung, haven't we? It is well with my soul. And that's my prayer this morning, that our soul, our soil, would sing praises to him as we go to him. And you know in your heart of hearts that your root structure is shallow. You haven't heard and accepted God's word for what it is. And perhaps there's a frustration of your personal growth and lack of fruit. I say these soil conditions aren't labels for life. We today can go to the soil preparer and ask him to attend to the conditions of our hearts. For others still, perhaps this is totally foreign to you and and you feel honestly like this is the first time you've truly been exposed to a seed of God's word and you're left wondering, what do I do with this? I would say this, turn and embrace the man behind this parable. He was trampled underfoot. He is a stone that the builders rejected and is now the cornerstone and a rock and a fortress. 
He took upon his head a crown of thorns and he is the only one who did good. And he washed his disciples' feet and became soiled and muddied for the sins of you and I. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the sower. And the world talks about their freedom day. Today, in this moment, you can have your freedom day in Christ from the things of this world. I wonder if we can stand. I'm going to pray and then we're going to go back to singing to this sower as a means of turning our hearts, our souls, back to him. But don't let this song be a blocker to your heart being changed and broken for him again to receive who he is. If what you need to do is some retrospective cultivation before God, please do that. Please use these moments to let this parable have its right effect on you. It's a relationship, isn't it? It's a partnership. As the seed comes to our heart, we partner with God. To do something in these moments, don't just sing. Put your heart out towards God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we marvel at your word. We thank you for Jesus Christ and this parable. We recognize that we see our hearts in it, Lord. And I pray by your Holy Spirit, would you take this word and would you rupture this seed so that it would bring forth growth, that roots would go down and they would stand the test of time and we would hear and receive with an active hearing, God. We don't want, that, we don't want to let this word be wasted. We thank you that this is a serious message, but there is a message of love and grace in Jesus Christ in this moment. So God, convict us where we need convicting. Encourage us, Lord. And may we, given the opportunity, share freely to all. When I say change our hearts, may we truly sing as well with our soul as we receive and embrace the truth of who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.